At Freedom HealthWorks, we're focused on putting medical professionals back in control of their practices. Utilizing a structured, tailored approach to business, startup, and operations, it could make sense for you to work with our professional team to avoid expensive pitfalls and, more importantly, expedite your journey to success. As we all know, time is money. If you're involved in the practice of medicine and desire to practice free of headaches and constraints, reach out for a no-obligation consultative conversation. Call us today at 317-804-1203 or visit freedomhealthworks.com. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Healthcare Americana. I am your host, Christopher Habig, CEO and co-founder of Freedom HealthWorks. Healthcare Americana is a podcast for the 99% of people who get healthcare in America. We're not clinicians. I'm not a policymaker. We're patients. We're caregivers, executives, advocates. We're really fed up with the status quo, and we have a desire to change it. This podcast brings listeners backstage at innovative organizations across America that are putting patients first by delivering exceptional care to anyone and everyone. Today, we're exploring the topic of data in direct primary care or data in direct care. There's a lot of hypotheses out there that range from physicians to employers to healthcare groups, health plan groups, uh, and also in health shares and alternative health insurance products that think, okay, direct primary care and direct care are going to achieve cheaper care, better access, and overall healthier people. With us today is Gail Brecky. PhD candidate in health policy and management at the University of Kansas Medical Center, and also a consultant with Deskit Consulting. And she has devoted a significant portion of her present career into exploring that question. Does DPC lead to healthier outcomes, healthier people, and lower costs? Gail, thanks for joining us here on Healthcare Americana. Thanks for having me, Chris. Now, that might have been an oversimplification of what your work is, but tell us a little bit about what you're doing and what you're seeing. Yes. So thank you. Um, My background, just to start out, is um, I'm an actuary. I worked as an actuary for about 20 years, uh, became more and more interested in healthcare more broadly than just the actuarial data and the insurance data. So now, like you mentioned, I'm uh, getting my PhD in health policy and management And I'm studying direct primary care um, in my dissertation. So I think hopefully um, when that gets out there and gets published, it will be another study that shows us the results of DPC. So the things that I'm looking at um, in my dissertation that I'm intending to look at are, first of all, the selection piece. So the data that I have is for a large employer group. I have data on the people that signed up for DPC. So in this particular case, it's direct primary care is the delivery mechanism for primary care and the rest of the benefits still are there and they are the same as in the standard plan that covers everything the traditional way. So we're looking at a case where this employer started offering a second option, a DPC option, to give employees a choice for their family between the DPC option uh, with direct primary care on the front and then the same benefits for specialty care, hospitalization, all of that as in the standard plan. And so I have data from, uh, I've claims data from employees and their families before this was offered and then after, so I can look at 
and compare the people who chose DPC and the people who didn't. And so the first thing that I wanna look at is selection. What is the difference between the people that chose DPC and the people that didn't? And to what extent could that be driving any favorable expenditures or other outcomes that we end up seeing? Um, so I think that's a critical piece, um, especially in this kind of a situation where each person, each employee is choosing for themselves and their family what kind of a plan they want. And then in my other uh, aims for my dissertation, I intend to look at specialist visits and ED and urgent care visits, as well as total expenditures. So I think this will give us a look, a study of what you're talking about, or at least some of the pieces that you could look at with that kind of a question, the question of how much different, how much better Perhaps DPC gives us results in terms of spending, in terms of patient outcomes. Um, and there's a number of other things I think that would be really interesting to look at. And the question is always, does the data exist? And how do we do that work? How do we do that study? How do we get the permission, get a hold of the data? You know, it's nice when researchers can have funding for uh, research and studies that they want to do. Uh, which I have not had any luck finding any of the standard, you know, National Institutes of Health or any of their, you know, sub agencies that want to fund the kinds of things I'm interested in. Mm -hmm. But I think you're exactly right. I mean, this is becoming the question now because there's, you know, even a couple of decades or a decade or more for some of the providers that were early on doing this model of primary care delivery. So it'd be nice if we could get more data about how different it is, how, you know, how much it gives us different outcomes and, you know, for expenditures and, you know, patient outcomes and health, as well as things like satisfaction. How much do patients like it? How much do doctors like it? So you have the actuarial background, like you mentioned there, and, and, you know, just in that few minutes of explanation, it seems like you're really facing an uphill struggle. You know, you mentioned the real question is, does the data exist? So, you know, does it, can you find data using, you know, DPC resources or direct care resources? Yeah. That, I mean, that's like we said, that's the, the big question. Um, I think, it's a little bit easier to get the kind of data I have in terms of claims data and a little bit of demographics about the enrollees. That's easier to get from the sort of place where I got it, which is from a large group um, that started offering this as an option. They have all the data, especially when they have the full benefits for their employees and their families they are going to have all that data either in-house or with a TPA or somehow they possess all of that data. So to the extent that they want to look at it and are wanting to engage with somebody like me to do that analysis, that's probably an easier place to get some data. Uh, but one thing that I'm really interested too is the employer benefit type of situation is one kind of situation, but what about all of the people that just engage directly with the DPC doctor, their employer is not involved, they're just doing it on their own for a myriad of reasons. Getting claims data on those people would be very difficult, but I think there is a lot we can study. 
Um, and there is a lot of interesting things we could figure out by doing surveys or talking to people, doing focus groups or interviews or, you know, some kind of data gathering, uh, whether it's completely qualitative or has got some quantitative elements to it. I think in my mind, that is almost a little bit more interesting in the sense that it's just an individual person and the doctor. It's kind of going completely outside of kind of the normal or standard way of doing things in this country, which is for a majority of people, um, they get their benefits through their employer. So the ones where you have just the person, the patient, the family working directly with the doctor without anybody else in there, having anything to do with it, any kind of say they aren't paying for anything, that in a lot of ways is a different animal and is a very interesting one to, to think about what the results of that are. We're a big fan of the retail patient, as we call them. Somebody walking into a, to a primary care, to a DPC practice, to a freedom doc practice or a direct care practice and saying, I am going to make my own choice here. I'm choosing this physician for my family and I. You know, we see multi-generational patients come from this. Mm-hmm. And when we see employers mandate, okay, these are your options, by human nature, whether it's, it's a uniquely American thing or if it's just a human being thing, we say, oh, you're going to force me to go this way? Well, I'm just going to be a pain in the ass and not use it. You know, So you then start talking about, well, what are my utilization rates for this program? My people aren't using it. How do they like it? You mentioned satisfaction scores. In, in my experience, what you're doing is very, very challenging. Where are you seeing breakthroughs? And you know, I guess the real question is, is it almost exclusively from employer data because you have controls there and historical data that's all built around insurance codes? Yeah, I think at least as far as the data I've been able to get a hold of where you can look at things like expenditures and patient health outcomes. Um, I think it is employer data. I do have a little bit of research I've done that I'm working on putting a paper together. And I surveyed all of the DPC patients of five practices. And the bulk of those patients are, like you term them, the retail patients. There's a few here and there folks scattered in that data that have it through an employer. And in that case, it's typically a very small employer. Mm-hmm. Uh, but the bulk of, of the respondents I have to that survey are the direct retail, you know, nobody else in the middle kind of patients. And it is interesting to see what their reasons are uh, for going with DPC and what they say about their doctor or the care or how much better they like it, or even some challenges that they find, you know, maybe there's a few examples of, of patients who responded something about the auto refill system isn't working very well and it's inconvenient. And, you know, there's certainly things like that, that the doctor could find out from that kind of a survey that, oh, I need to tweak this about my practice, or I don't have any male doctors at my practice. And, you know, some women are saying my husband would come here, but he really prefers to see a man for his doctor, you know, just things like that, that tell you, you know, there's always tweaks, always, you know, you should be listening to your patients, to your customers to see, am I serving them the best I can? Is there something I would want to change in my practice to serve patients better or offer additional services that, that my patients are looking for? 
Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, the data is always, like you say, is always the problem. It would be great to have a way that we could look at more like the expenditures and the claims data from the retail customers. And I haven't looked into it a huge amount. There might be ways. Um, one idea that I had uh, that I have not had a chance to follow up on yet, but there are some states that have all payer claims databases. So it might be possible to pull hospitalization and you know some of those kinds of claims if we had a random sample or a, you know, a good cohort of data to start with that we had DPC, like a retail DPC on the front end. But that's a really big undertaking. But it's great to think about what kind of data we have and how we could look at it and better understand the results of this model. Right. Yeah, the all-payer all, all claims database is interesting. So just, just so I'm on the same page as you, and what you'd be doing is saying, okay, here's a random sampling of patients that we know have a direct primary care physician. Here's a random sampling of people who are not DPC patients. Let's look at how many times they are hospitalized, how many surgeries they're undergoing, completely random, trying to compare these things together. And so people might look at that and say, well, that's not concrete. You know, correlation is <laughs> not causation. You know, what do you say to that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, those are all valid points. And like I say, that's, that's a big undertaking. And I haven't, you know, even cracked open the book of, of how you would have to do that. I guess the main thing I was thinking is that that might be a way to be able to stitch together the claims for the person, for the DPC patient, you know, for the whole scope of care, for all of their care, you know, for a period of time that you're looking at. So Mm -hmm. if you had a way to identify their non-primary care claims and match it up with their primary care claims so that you had the whole record for a person for that period of time. And then yes, the most powerful thing to do would be to match them up to comparable people that have traditional coverage and traditional primary care delivery and to see how different they are. But again, like I said, that's a big undertaking. You'd want to have, of course, a lot of data. I mean, the more people you have, the better and more reliable your results are gonna be. So that's a little ways down the road at least. No, I totally understand. And in case in point, I mean, how many stories do you hear coming out of, you know, the direct care world where it says, well, I saved my patient a trip to the emergency room. That's about $3,000. But you know what, that's not going to show up on anybody's claim data. And so, you know, you're, you're trying to overcome a lot of inertia where the insurance industry is very much set in the data world. And so when people talk about, well, hey, we need to build, you know, insurance companies are the problem. This is the problem. They're, they're denying claims. They're denying you know, procedures, that kind of thing. I mean, they're so firmly rooted in data mm-hmm. that I tell people, even direct care is relying on insurance companies right now to show the effectiveness in a model that doesn't exactly work well with insurance. It's an interesting little paradox there that, and that's where my line of questioning comes from is like, I don't know how we go out and show belonging to a direct care practice does or does not help people stay healthy and actually like have a hypothesis behind it to prove it without using insurance data. And and that's just the environment we have to live in right now. Yeah. I I mean, you're exactly right. And one thing I wanted to add to that is, you know, I love the data. I'm an actuary, you know, all that claims data and all that great, you know, insurance data and having all of that to, to play with and 
theorize and, and look at things is fun, but we shouldn't give short shrift to qualitative data, mm-hmm. to talking to patients, to talking to doctors about how much better care they're able to take of their patients. And yes, it doesn't maybe give you the kind of results that you would like to proclaim, you know, DPC saves X percent on this kind of a claim or this kind of a patient, but it's still very powerful. Some of the most interesting research I've done was talking to DPC doctors about complex patients. So, you know, I would just ask them to tell me how they feel their DPC practice. Are they doing a good job? You know, what are their thoughts about how they're able to care for complex patients? And some of the stories I got were amazing. And some of the emotions of the doctors of being able to actually care for people the way they want to, and this is what they went to med school for, those stories are powerful. And a lot of them have contrasting stories from when they were in the traditional system of, I would have never been able to, you know, take care of this patient the way I wanted to. I would have never had the time to follow up and talk to the family and, you know, all of this, all of these things that, that are really so important. And I think about, even in terms of data, I think about all the studies that are out and all the research that's being done on burnout and career dissatisfaction among all physicians, but certainly um, it's very prominent among primary care physicians. And to see how that contrasts with their experience of providing care in primary, in, in DPC, providing it directly, having that direct relationship with the patient, having the time. I think there's certainly studies that could be done in that area mm-hmm. to look at how they're using their time. What all are they able to do with the patient? I've had doctors tell me about when I was asking um, her to describe or talk about complex patients in her practice. She said her patients aren't complex anymore because she's been able to spend time with them. They've been able to, you know, really focus on what's happening and really drill into it and work on it. And she said a lot of their issues are resolved. They're not even complex anymore. Wild. Some of the things I, are hard to measure. Yeah. And, and that was, that's the biggest thing I try to get across people's minds, right? That how do you measure exactly what you said right there? What, what is the cost savings of actually curing somebody's diabetes? What is the cost savings to Medicare or the employer plan for getting somebody off of you know, the blood pressure medication, because you're able to see them every single week or every single day if they need to and mm-hmm. be that medical advocate for it. And so, you know, there, there of course are detractors out there that say, well, there's no, there's no data behind direct care. You know, we, we can't recommend this to our people because we, we just don't know if it works. And it's like, all right, that's, that's the ostrich in the, in the, with his head in the sand mentality, but it is still a good point. We don't have as an industry, some nice study to point to and say, look, actually, most people will save a ton of money or you're going to you know, X amount of results over the long run. Mm-hmm. So I think that's very, very tough. You did mention the word time when you were talking to doctors and I'm on the same page with the qualitative uh, aspects. You know, there's, 
there's not a single physician we work with with a net promoter score less than 93 when healthcare average is like in the 40s, if that. And so the, the human element is huge, right? Because you get the time to spend with patients. Are you finding that that is a theme that comes up all the conversations you have and that they mention the physicians mention time as a direct reason why they're able to take, in their opinion, in their medical opinion, better care of their patients? Yeah, I think it is. And sometimes when I'm talking to DPC doctors, I think it's so a part of how they practice now that they almost don't even look at it that way. They just look at it as I'm taking care of my patients. I'm checking on, you know, Mary that was having trouble with this condition a couple of days ago. Like, are you feeling better? Uh, I'm going to text her or, you know, it's just so much a part of how they practice now and how they work and how they live their life as a doctor that it doesn't even really always occur to them to say it that way. Mm -hmm. Like I have time because I'm working in such a way that it's a direct relationship. The patient is not paying all this extra money to people in their office, people at the insurance company to do all of these administrative tasks to, you know, whether it relates to formularies or quality reporting data or pre-approvals or whatever, you know, whatever it is about the third-party payment system that causes them to do administrative work, they're just taking care of patients. Mm -hmm. Um, So, yeah, I think it's, it's certainly, you know, I can't even say how, you know, important a, a piece that is. I mean, I think that's maybe the number one thing about DPC is they have time to take good care of their patients. And it's such a big contrast to the traditional system where you hear about the hamster wheel and the eight minute appointments and people are so frustrated and the doctor won't talk about anything else except what you came in for. Of course, patients don't like that, especially in a country like ours where we are the quintessential consumers. We want to be treated well as a consumer and we want to reward the person that's you know, serving us or providing goods and services and doing business with us. And we're very frustrated when it comes to the traditional healthcare system, because very little of that is present. Absolutely. That's why we say, you know, we're a podcast for the 99% of people in this country who've usually had a pretty bad experience with, with the healthcare system. So, I, I mean, I got to ask when you, when you went to go, you know, become a PhD candidate, and you, you decided, I'm going to go out there and I am going to write a dissertation on a topic where nothing exists except <laughs> a dream, an idea, maybe a hypothesis. Gail, what was going through your mind? That's, that's an interesting question. So I guess it, I would say it started back probably the early 2010s when I first, and I'm you know working as an actuary, you know, kind of minding my own business, thinking about healthcare, but you know, I came across this model, this DPC model, and I thought, this is really fascinating because for a number of reasons, but one that jumped out at me is it's respecting and honoring the proper use of insurance. Everybody knows how insurance works for their car and their house, but we do something totally different in healthcare. And I mean, actuaries study this you know, and, and there's a, a long history in economics, in actuarial science about when insurance makes sense, when it's efficient, 
under what conditions is something, the sort of thing that you should pay for with insurance if you want to and where you shouldn't pay for it with insurance because it's going to be super expensive and inconvenient and it's not designed for that. So that was, I think the first thing that jumped out at me was this is using insurance properly in healthcare, which is, which is unusual. And then I went to a DPC summit a number of years ago when it was held here in Kansas city. One time I just kind of, you know, signed up and showed up at this hotel where this conference was going on. And I mean, I've been to, you know, numerous different kinds of professional conferences before, but this was so different because the doctors were so excited to talk about what they do. They were so happy. They couldn't, you know, tell you enough about how great it was and how they were able to take care of people. And everybody was like that. I mean, just dozens and dozens of people like super excited to be there talking to each other, to have left the terrible experience of the traditional system, you know, from their point of view. And, you know, that just convinced me right there that there is something to this. This is fundamentally different, at least for the experience of the physician. From that point, I just became really interested in it. And then I started to read more. Um, I came across Dr. Josh Umber and, you know, there's kind of that Kansas connection. And I, you know, talked to him a little bit and just got more educated in terms of what they were doing. And at first I thought, you know, this sounds too good to be true. You know, there's gotta be some little thing that's not the way they're portraying it or kind of some, a little bit of a dark side somewhere. And after, you know, more research and more talking to people, I just decided, I don't think there is. I don't think there is some hidden dark <laughs> side of this that is a negative, which is not to say that DPC is great for every single patient um, or every single business to provide for their employees. But, you know, it just seems to be a breath of fresh air in an otherwise pretty troubled healthcare system. Quite a fascinating that you approach it from the insurance side. And that was a connection I was struggling to make. But I mean, you're exactly right. Insurance products are all actuarial underwritten, which means yeah. they're very good at, at hedging their risk. But that's a great lead in to say, look, let's scratch my head. Like, well, wait a minute. We price health insurance totally different and study it totally differently than we do homeowners insurance. We use it for different things. What in the world is going on here? So, you know, kudos to you. My, my hat's off uh, to you for making that connection there. So, I mean, I, I guess the punchline, Gail, you know, with what you're seeing here, does DPC provide better patient care? I would have to say as a patient, because I have a DPC doc and I have a health share for, you know, more catastrophic expenses. I would say in my experience as a patient, I would say it's superior. I think for me, just having more say, more control as the patient of what's happening, um, and it's between me and my doctor, and it's not, you know, something I have to, you know, get a bunch of approval from other people that are going to be paying for it because I'm paying for it. And it makes sense to me to pay directly when the expenses are small, when it's a doctor visit, when it's you know, a lab test, a routine lab test or routine prescriptions. Um, it just makes more sense to me than going through the regular system that we have now with how inflated all the costs are, how cumbersome and bureaucratic and how much hassle it is to deal with 
especially the routine stuff, it seems like it's just, there's so many hassles from the third party system. It just doesn't make sense to me. And in my mind and in my experience, working with a DPC doctor is like working with some other, somebody else that's providing you a good or service. So you're the customer, they're the producer or the business owner, however you want to characterize them. And it's more like other kinds of experiences as the customer. You talk together, you are very open and transparent and they make suggestions and you consider them or you, you know, make the decision that's best for you in some cases. Like I like this treatment option over that treatment option because of, you know, whatever reason for my preferences or my goals of treatment or whatever it might be. And that in my mind is more like working with anybody else, whether it's a plumber or, you know, some other kind of professional, you know, a CPA or somebody else, you sit down, you have a conversation. Here's what I'm looking for. Here's what I can provide. Let's get on the same page and let's transact business and you do it and everybody's hopefully happy and you go on your way. Now, from a data standpoint, does that experience get backed up on paper? That's a great question. I think it depends on the DPC doctor in terms of how much they capture and how much they document. I'm sure they have documented, you know, when there was a visit and kind of generally what was talked about. Um, And my DPC doctor happens to provide codes that you could use to submit um, for towards your deductible or for reimbursement Mm -hmm. from your insurance carrier if you have coverage. But I don't think that's necessarily common. I I don't happen to know, but I know a lot of DPC doctors don't do that. They keep track for themselves and they could, I'm sure if you wanted to know like when you came and saw them, you know, what they had in their records, they would probably share it with you as a patient, but they don't necessarily keep like procedure codes and diagnosis codes in their software. Going back to fitting back in the insurance world, right? So I I totally understand it. Gail, are you you looking for active participants in ongoing studies, new studies? How can can, (laughs) the direct care world physicians help you out? Gosh, I feel like I'm trying to help them out. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I think you will, but uh, the sounds of it, you need numbers, need, need, you know, data sometimes a four letter word to a lot of physicians out there. And I understand that, Yeah. you know, you mentioned some really interesting ideas that we could, you know, not sit here and compare, Oh, code, 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 this code, date, date, code, date, code, whatever it is, but look under the hood a little bit and actually use what's between our ears a little bit more to say, wow, this is actually showing a better, more comprehensive environment of patient care. It's not all just how we can treat people that are ill and give them a battery of tests. Now, look, we didn't have to do the tests in the future, but like you said, the complex patients are no longer complex. I mean, how do we show that to anybody who might be a naysayer or a skeptic? Yeah, I I guess what comes to my mind, I think it would be certainly interesting and probably very useful for DPC doctors or DPC organizations, whether it's something like Healthcare Americana or the DPC Alliance, or, you know, just maybe a group of doctors that have interesting ideas. But it seems to me it would be really interesting to have more conversation among DPC doctors and maybe researchers like myself or just other people that are trying to, you know, understand this and and research it 
it would be great to have conversations about what would be useful to you as DPC doctors or to help you talk to employers if that's how you're trying to you know, grow your business or whatever it is for there to be, I don't know that it would be completely a consensus, but to, to kind of get together behind an idea of here's what we want to know because you could go a thousand different directions and study things that are interesting. Um, you could study you know, certain populations of patients whether they're low income or people with certain diseases, or, you know, there would be things like that, that you might be interested in looking at. You might be interested in, in understanding what is the scope of care that we provide to patients. So I guess what I'm suggesting is the questions you could ask about DPC that would be interesting and would presumably promote DPC as a way to do primary care the questions are almost endless. You know, certainly a place to start would be for DPC doctors to get together in some way to decide, here's what we're interested in knowing, or here's, you know, here's what we want to know more about what the data or the research says about this specific question in DPC. So that's, I mean, I know that's not a great answer. <laughs> well, you're supposed to team me up with, we need one, two, three. But what, I, what I'm hearing is that, you know, you're looking for feedback from the industry on, hey, this will be valuable in the conversation that I'm trying to have with larger groups or with, you know, someone's grandma and grandpa saying, yes, you should pay for their membership because this, this, and this are the things happening. Mm-hmm. So uh, is that a fair uh, assessment of what you said? Say, you know, give me... Give me, Gail's saying here, I kind of like the Statue of Liberty, give me your questions and I will answer them, but I need to know what questions to answer first. Yeah. And just maybe to, to be a little bit more cautious, um, <laughs> I, I would love to have conversations about this as far as, you know, being able to commit to, I will get the answer for you by next Tuesday. That's not realistic, but, you know, certainly if, you know, if a group of doctors or, you know, maybe like a regional organization of, of DPC doctors, if they, you know, really have some big questions in their mind or something that they want to explore how we could figure this out and how we could research it, I would love to talk with them and maybe end up with making a plan to do research. But it seems to me that, you know, the questions are pretty much limitless about what you could be interested in knowing. And even just having the dialogue to me is one of the things that I'm planning to focus on going forward because I just see so much in the health services research area, in academia, um, even in groups of actuaries that they have kind of a very narrow focus And they aren't asking big questions like, you know, the way we are structuring the healthcare system. Are we doing what should be done there? How we're paying for things. I mean, as an actuary and somebody interested in primary care and and just interested in the kind of the fundamentals of how we do healthcare, just dialoguing about all of these big questions, I think is really important um, because it feels to me like there's a huge disconnect between what DPC doctors see and 
think and, you know, how they look at the healthcare system and how they look at providing care to patients, that is so different from even primary care doctors in the traditional system, I think have a very different way of just thinking about what they do. Um, And then if you would bring in insurance company executives or, you know, of course, actuaries, but, um, you know, hospital administrators and you know, just there are so many pieces of the healthcare system and so many aspects of how we think about how everything should work, how it should be paid for, how it should be structured, how much the government should be involved in things. And it feels to me like our willingness and ability to have meaningful dialogue in this country just generally um, has fallen off considerably in the last, say, five years. So I'm just in favor of dialogue generally, Mm -hmm. um, but certainly dialogue about what research would be useful and helpful to DPC doctors and people who promote DPC or people who want to reform healthcare and make it work better. That's all great. That's all good stuff. I think we all agree on that one. Anything and everything we can do to to forward the cause. And Gail, we'll we'll attach all your uh, contact information from your Twitter handle to LinkedIn profile on the, uh, the show notes here. But Gail, this has been a, a fascinating conversation. I appreciate you taking time to join us. Thank you so much, Chris. Glad to come back anytime and talk more about data and DPC. I think we're all going to be looking forward to that dissertation. Uh, a, lot of, a lot of hungry eyes going uh, to be on that report once, once it's ready. So we'll have to touch base again and see if we can distribute that as far and wide as we possibly can. Once again, I am your host, Christopher Habig. This is Healthcare Americana. Thanks for listening. Check out healthcareamericana.com to hear all our episodes, visit the shop, and learn more about the podcast. Healthcare Americana is produced by Taylor Scott and iPodcast Pro and managed by Melissa Turpin. Whether you're a patient, employer, or physician, the Free Market Medical Association can facilitate and assist you in your free market healthcare journey. The foundation of our association is built upon three pillars, price, value, and equality, with complete transparency in everything we do. Our goal is simple, match willing buyers with willing sellers of valuable healthcare services. Join us and help accelerate the growth of the free market healthcare revolution. For more information on the Free Market Medical Association, visit fmma.org. The new administration has big plans for your health insurance, changes that can limit your choices. The Affordable Care Act created a one-size-fits-all plan. Healthcare is not a one-size-fits-all problem. The premise of the ACA is that coverage equals care. It does not. This is Eric Wilson from iSelf Incorporated, and I recently saved a family in their 50s almost $600 per month with our free market plan. Act now. Protect yourself with a plan that cannot be canceled. This is a nationwide PPO plan, which allows you to pick your doctors and hospitals. Start saving 30 to 60% today. If you are self-employed, purchase your own health insurance, or are uninsured, you can lock in a private plan managed by you, not the government. Call me, Eric Wilson, an expert with 17 years experience at 888-448-5370. That's 888-448-5370. Or go to iSellHealth.com. That's iSellHealth.com. A free market, affordable approach to healthcare. I look forward to speaking with you. Hi again, everyone. This is Chris. At Healthcare Americana, we're always on the lookout for great stories to tell in the healthcare industry. And we'd like to hear yours. Check out healthcareamericana.com and send us your ideas for episodes or if you'd like to be a guest. Thanks again for listening. 
Hope you enjoy it.